Is malware developed to help national governments battle criminals being misused against citizens? And the Australians are bringing the encryption battle to a spy conference in Ottawa. These and other stories coming up in the ISMG Security Report. Hello, I'm Eric Chabro. We begin today's security report with a look at the growing industry of spyware designed for the exclusive use of governments. One company, the NSO Group, received much attention last week when the New York Times reported that at least three Mexican government agencies purchased $80 million of spyware from the Israeli-based company. According to the Times and the University of Toronto's research group, known as the Citizens Lab, the Mexican government uses mobile spyware to surveil government critics, including prominent human rights lawyers, journalists, and anti-corruption activists. Among the targets, advocates of a soda tax to curtail sugar consumption in Mexico. NSO calls its spyware product Pegasus. It's malware designed for mobile devices to allow its government customers to monitor calls, texts, emails, contacts, and calendars. Pegasus users also can turn on a smartphone's microphone and camera to conduct surveillance. Here's John Scott Railton. He's lead author of the just-published Citizens Lab report, and he spoke with NPRs on the media about the growing marketplace for companies like NSO that furnish governments with spyware. The industry is relatively new. Historically, whenever a despot encounters somebody who he wants to monitor, somebody scurries off and monitors a phone line. As more and more communications are encrypted, which is great, that doesn't work as well. Enter government-exclusive spyware, which promises that regime the ability to regain visibility on communications that they could no longer monitor. Now, NSO in a statement says its agreement with customers only permit the use of its products in a lawful manner to prevent and investigate crimes. But Citizens Lab says its investigation shows that's not always the case. Citizen Labs contends governments misuse NSO and other government spyware providers' products to target individuals and organizations that are neither criminal nor terrorists, but part of civil society. In a 2016 report, Citizens Lab documents a case where the United Arab Emirates used spyware products to target an activist, not a criminal. And in a report from earlier this year, Citizens Labs contends parts of the Mexican government targeted scientists and activists who proposed a soda attack with Pegasus. Again, Scott Relton. Every company that Citizen Lab has investigated makes the same pitch. But time and time again, what our investigations reveal is something that we like to call informally the principle of misuse. If you take something so powerful and so hard to discover and you put it in the hands of a government that does not have a robust rule of law and accountability around the use of secret surveillance, it will be misused for political purposes. It's only a matter of time. The NSO group claim that they do due diligence around sale. Taking the example of the UAE for a second, you have not one but two prior cases of the misuse of government-exclusive spyware by the UAE government, the misuse of a tool called FinFisher, made by a UK and German company named Gamma Group, and the misuse of hacking team's remote control system made by an Italian company. Now, if I were selling government-exclusive spyware and the UAE asked me for a bid, I can't think of a better case where due diligence would suggest that it was likely to be misused again. 
Citizen Lab says its research shows that the NSO group and its competitors are unable or unwilling to control the abuse of their products by their government customers. Citizen Lab's director Ronald Debert says that if these companies cannot self-regulate in the countries where these companies are based, those governments should tighten regulations to ensure such practices end. The ISMG Security Report continues after this message. ISMG's Global Summit Series will be taking place at the Marriott Marquis in New York on August 8th and 9th. Learn more about what to do in the wake of WannaCry. Hear from subject matter experts on ransomware, endpoint detection, malware, and more. Visit events.ismg.io and register today. The intelligence collective known as Five Eyes consists of Australia, Britain, Canada, New Zealand, and the United States, and representatives from the five nations will meet next week in the Canadian capital, Ottawa. Among the agenda items, a proposal from Australia to create new authorities to battle terrorists with encryption. From Sydney, here's ISMG Security and Technology Editor Jeremy Kirk with an explanation. Worried about the use of encryption by terrorists, Australia plans to lobby its intelligence partners at a meeting in Canada this week. They want to create new legal powers that would allow access to scrambled communications. But Australia says it doesn't want back doors. So what does it want? Attorney General George Brandis says Australia will lead the discussion about the involvement of industry in thwarting terrorists using encryption. Law enforcement agencies and governments fear that terrorists are increasingly using encryption to mask their communications online and lock their devices. That makes it harder to collect intelligence on possible attacks. Earlier this month, Brandis advocated that the government needed legal sanction to create stronger obligations for technology companies such as Apple, Google, and Facebook that would help in investigations involving encrypted communications. But technology companies argue that encryption protects consumers' personal information and companies' intellectual property from nation-states and data-stealing cybercriminals. Those companies have sought to create systems that leave the decryption keys in the hands of users, making them unable to supply that information to investigators. It's also unclear how governments would plan to counter open-source encryption technologies, which are not controlled by corporates. Australia has disputed it wants to mandate backdoors, but it's unclear what new legal powers the government seeks. Security experts say it's virtually impossible to guarantee that backdoors won't fall into the wrong hands. That view has been lent more weight following staggering leaks of top secret computer exploitation methods from the NSA and CIA. Messaging application developers have sought to make the communications unreadable to those who've somehow gained access to the data traffic. The effort started largely after leaks from former NSA contractor Edward Snowden in 2013. Documents showed how the U.S. appeared to be running data dragnets, which critics contended amounted to a surveillance state without due process. As a result, applications such as Apple's iMessage and Facebook's WhatsApp use end-to-end encryption where the private decryption keys are held solely on devices. That doesn't mean law enforcement is necessarily locked out. It just doesn't make it as easy to decrypt the communications. So far, it's not believed any nation can break encrypted content through sheer computing power alone. Instead, law enforcement must convince a suspect to turn over their passcode or someone else who had access to the same messages. Another avenue is to use a software vulnerability or exploit to unlock a device. Attorney General Brandis termed Australia's proposal as a way to ensure service providers provide reasonable assistance to law enforcement and security agencies. But the technology community will not take intentionally weakening security lightly, even if a government believes it's reasonable. For Information Security Media Group, I'm Jeremy Kirk. 
You're listening to the ISMG Security Report on ISMG Radio. ISMG, your number one source for information security news. In what might be the largest settlement of a class action lawsuit involving a data breach, the health insurer Anthem has agreed to pay $115 million. For more on this story, I'm joined by Healthcare Info Security Executive Editor, Marianne Kolbasak-McGee. Hi, Marianne. Hi, Eric. First off, what's the background on this breach? Nearly two and a half years ago, Anthem announced that it had been the target of a cyber attack in which the personal information of nearly 79 million individuals was stolen, including names, dates of birth, social security numbers, and healthcare identity numbers. Investigators believe a user from an Anthem subsidiary opened a phishing email containing malware. Opening the email launched the download of malicious files to the user's computer. That action allowed hackers to gain remote access to that computer and dozens of other systems within Anthem's enterprise. Regulators and investigators say they suspect a foreign nation was behind the attack. Published reports shortly after the attack cited sources saying the assault emanated from China. Now, the $150 million is a hefty sum. Why so high? Well, to be clear, this is not a penalty. State insurance commissioners early this year said Anthem virtually did all it could do to defend itself and did a good job responding to the breach. Still, it was Anthem's job to protect its customers, and it failed. There are costs associated with the breach that the insurance commissioners and the plaintiffs in the case, Anthem's customers through their lawyers, felt Anthem should own up to. The proposed settlement provides for Anthem to establish a settlement fund that would be used to provide victims of the data breach with at least two years of credit monitoring, cover out-of-pocket expenses incurred by consumers as a result of the data breach, and furnish cash compensation for those consumers who have already enrolled in credit monitoring. In addition to the monetary fund, the settlement would require Anthem to guarantee a certain level of funding for information security and to implement or maintain numerous specific changes to its data security systems, including encryption of certain information and archiving sensitive data with strict access controls. Big breaches can be costly. That's right. Earlier this year, the group of insurance commissioners in their proposed settlement documented costs they said Anthem already had incurred, including $2.5 million for expert consultants, $115 million for security improvements, $31 million for initial notification, and $112 million to provide credit protection. Plaintiffs filed more than 100 lawsuits against Anthem. With this settlement, is the deal final? Almost, U.S. Federal District Judge Lucy Coe scheduled a hearing on August 17th to hear the plaintiff's motion for the $115 million settlement. If Coe approves the settlement, then the plaintiffs will be invited to participate in and comment on it. Thanks, Marianne. You're welcome. Finally, President Donald Trump's top Homeland Security and Counterterrorism Advisor, Tom Bossert, says the U.S. and Israeli governments will collaborate on developing new ways to foil cybersecurity attacks. Speaking at a cybersecurity conference in Tel Aviv on Monday, Bossert said the two nations will form a working group to develop a different operational conscript that will focus on identifying and thwarting attacks before they reach critical systems as well as ways to punish attackers. Bosser says the agility Israel has in developing solutions will innovate cyber defenses. He says perfect security may not be achievable, but the two nations have within their reach a safer and more secure internet. That's the ISMG Security Report. Our theme is by Ithaca Audio. 
I'm Eric Chavro. Catch you next time. Music